Hello, my name is Delmer Eldred, and I want to welcome you to an interview with Simi Bird. He is the Benton, he is chairman for the Benton County Republican Party, and he is also running for the Washington State Governor. And Simi, it is an honor to talk to you. Delmer, it's an honor to be here with you, my friend. Thank you. And uh, you have a very impressive resume and an undeniable leadership qualities that surpass anything we've seen in most candidates. And you have been approached to run for state office in the past. So what prompted you to run at this time? Well, I do appreciate your kind words. I, I try. I've learned a lot over, over the decades of being in leadership. But you know, like you and many other Washingtonians, we've watched our state go further down into despair. We've seen poor leadership, poor policies come out that hinder, hinder law enforcement that, that is, is doing harm to our children through bad policies and education. I can go on and on. This comes to a point where citizens need to stand strong to do the right thing. And I find myself in a position as, as someone who served my nation most of my life, I can't sit back and watch us lose our state. And I don't quit. I became a Green Beret at age 43, so I don't quit, and I'm not moving. Washington is a beautiful state, and it deserves quality leadership. And I think what happens is this. We tend to elect career politicians when we should be electing career Americans. And so as a career American, I can't sit by any longer and watch our state fall further. Uh, into despair. So I have to step up. It's compelling. My life is, has, has been um, positioned for this opportunity to serve. And I think what's missing is leadership, in particular, servant leadership. So this is just me, a concerned citizen stepping up to do what I believe is the right thing, and that is to serve all of Washington State. Well, thank you, Timmy. And one thing that has really uh, hit a hot point with the um I'm going to just say with the liberal media and stuff, as as a school board director, you elected not to enforce the mask mandates and uh, provide for the constitutional rights of the students. Did you receive a lot of support from the parents on that? Well, we did. And, and this question actually is a great segue from the, the previous, because when I say we are falling further into despair, it has to do with the shutdowns. It has to do with the unconstitutional mandates, you know, circumventing our, our legal procedure, right? Not going through the legislature, the, the people's house. This is a pattern. And certainly, certainly valuing parents as primary stakeholders in children's education is another key driver for me to get involved. And so, yes, because I put families first in education from the very beginning, because my first action as an elected school board member that night I was sworn in, we, I made the motion to put forth and bring forward a parent advisory group, giving parents a voice in their children's education. And there was pushback from others, but not from parents. And so although we took the vote to give mass choice, we have had a large showing from parents and support of that decision. And, in, and just recently, um, on Tuesday, we had parents show up in mass peacefully and respectfully showing their supports for our decision. So I did it, we did it for the children, for their health, for their welfare, and, and a presence we had suicide rates off the charts in our county. We had lost learning, we had mental health considerations. That's what the, the, the health director said to me before I even made the motion. 
that we need to consider the mental health of our citizens. That's exactly what we did. And parents realized it and they are supporting us. And I'm very, very thankful for them and coming out to show that they agreed with our decision. Yeah, well, kind of continuing on that same subject, uh, would you support legislation that provides for school choice and would use public resources for educational instructions that the uh, parents feel best fit their needs? Well, again, absolutely. Um, that That is a, a foundation of, of my platform in education. And this is not to abandon public education. This is to improve public education, giving school choice to parents. And again, think about this. Parents and families, those grandparents, as primary stakeholders, no one cares more about the unconditional welfare of a child than those families. And so absolutely, giving families an opportunity to choose which institution, educational institution to send their children, gives them the power. And more importantly, this goes to those marginalized communities, those communities who are impoverished. This gives them that, that, that advantage, that equity, if you will, so that they have the power to say, this private school has a, has a better reputation and statistics of education outcomes. I wanna send my child there and they can afford to do it. Right now, the way the law reads, if, if I am poor, and, and which I cannot afford to send three of my children to private school, which is on, on average maybe about $50,000 minimum, well then we are just stuck with whatever the state gives us. This goes back to state control of children's education. We need to get control back to those parents and those families. So I'm a huge fan of school choice. The money should follow the backpack. This is an equalizer across the state. It brings equity to those marginalized communities. And that is a huge problem with a lot of the issues we see in communities. It's the breakdown of families and then the compromise and breakdown of education. We need to give our children and those families a quality education. And that is a paramount responsibility of the state of Washington. Well, Simi, we have uh, been experiencing an attack on the First and Second Amendment of the Constitution. And... Uh, it is it has been very uh pronounced that this is one bill at a time that they they are trying to eliminate it would you veto any legislation that interfere, interferes with the individual rights of the citizens well i think that's the responsibility of the governor I, you know my responsibilities are defined what is it article 1 section 3 of the washington state constitution Further, we have RCW, right, 43.06.110, or that, that 10, that dictates the responsibilities. And when you read those responsibilities, it is my job as governor of Washington State to adhere to the U.S. Constitution and the Washington State Constitution. In particular, when we say Section 24, right, that gives the rights of our citizens to bear arms, to protect themselves, their property. And, and it even says the state. But that is not saying that we are coming together as a mass uh, of armed individuals. The Constitution, the state Constitution prevents it. So to answer your question directly, acknowledging that we have constitutional law, it is my job to uphold the law. I say again, it's the job of the governor to uphold the state Constitution and the United States Constitution because Section 2 of Article 1 says that the U.S. Constitution is the paramount law of the land. So, again, Constitution first, 
And, and that's, that's really what this comes down to. And there's so much science out. The American Psychological Association did a huge paper, you know, on the causes of, of violence. And it's not guns. It's, it's social economic issues that are at the root of this. As I said, the breakdown of families, the breakdown of education. I can go on and on about this. But I will uphold the Washington State Constitution and the United States Constitution. And if a change is going to come forward, changes should be made by the people. Because, again, back to our Constitution, Article 1, Section 1, powers inherent in the people, and government derives its power from the governed, the people. So it's not my job to do so. And, yes, I will always uphold the Constitution of the United States and of Washington State. That's my job. Well, oh, you know, uh, it looks like Ansley is going to file, or if he hasn't already, he's going to file for a fourth term because – uh, we don't have no term limits on the governor in Washington state. Would you support term limits? I would absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, I was discussing this with a friend uh, yesterday. And um, yes, this is something that's needed. It's something I'm going to put forward to the legislation um, day one um, of, of being in office. And, and I'm looking at uh, a max three. And the reason I say that is we need to be you know, as we say, of the people, by the people, for the people. We need to rotate in new talent. You know, those young people, those 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 shopkeepers, those business owners, you know, ordinary citizens who are willing to rise up and run for office. We should not um, um, put any barriers to them doing that by having any kind of a political aristocracy, if you will, or, or insiders or special interest supported individuals. We need to give the power back to the people. So term limits is one mechanism to do it. I think three terms is a max. First term, you're getting your feet wet, you're learning, and hopefully you're listening, you're paying attention. Second term, you're starting to take root. You're starting to understand the, the area of operation. You're starting to, to, to start to, you know, Tuckman's theory, forming, storming, norming, and performing. Well, you start to norm, right, in that second year. And you certainly in that second year, you are now performing in that third year. And in that third year, we should be looking for succession planning. We should be preparing that next person to step up. And so I believe in term limits. I think that's uh, missing in federal government as well. But certainly I support moving forward. I will initiate it in Washington state. Well, you know, um, these mom and pop businesses have been getting hit with tax after tax and regulations and they're closing up, going out of business, just uh, one right after another. So how would you uh, help small business get back on the right track? Yeah, well, there's a lot There's a lot that can be done, and there's a lot I could say on that. You know, small businesses account for about 50.7% of all, of all Washington State employees. So 50.7% of all employees in Washington State are employed by small businesses. Small businesses make up about 89% of total exports, right? Which is, tw- it's, 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 it's huge. It's total exports are $55 billion. And so small businesses play a critical role. And so the common sense is to support small businesses is to support our economy and to support employee growth and economic growth. So to that end, we look at the B&O tax. B&O tax are imposed based on the category of business, the type of business. That hasn't been looked at for some time. And we need to make sure that phrase again, that it's equitable for all, all businesses, in particular, small businesses. You know, there's other things in terms of deregulation. Washington State has ranked in the lowest 
um, in terms of regulation, meaning we were one of the most regulatory states in the, in the nation, and that adversely affects small business. And so when we look at things like the Washington State CARES Fund, right, imposing that requirement, that's going to hurt small businesses, and it's also going to hurt employees. You look at other bills that are coming out. I think it's that Senate Bill 5162, if I'm not mistake, mistaken on rent collection, right, for, for those small businesses, those, those families who actually own rental properties. Right now, they're struggling. There's eviction moratoriums, and and it's making it hard for them to collect rents. And now we're saying, I think it's House Bill 1389, we're going to put a cap on that. And it's already been scientifically proven that when you cap our rent rates, and they they did that in San Francisco, there's been all kinds of empirical studies on this. You typically will find poor quality housing. Rents actually go up. Developers are going to stop developing because they're not going to get that return on investment. It's just a nightmare. So I, I can go down the list of what we need to do. One of the things I'm looking at in terms of taxes, I think when a new business comes out, we need to give them that one year without having to worry about taxes because all small businesses typically fail within that six to 12 months as soon as they open those doors. So let's re- re- take that burden away. And then we'll start collecting after their one year in business. This ensures that small businesses have a higher rate of success. And again, back to those earlier points, because they are so impactful on our economy, we must do whatever we can to preserve and protect our small businesses. One of the things the state does right now that's that, that they're doing great on, which is women and minority businesses. And again, this is not giving favoritism, but there's already been a disparity when it comes to um, in- inclusion. And again, thinking about the return on investment, more people engaging in small businesses is better for all people. So let's continue to reach out. Let's start reaching out to those Hispanic groups, those, those black groups. Right now, um, we, we have women that, that are benefiting highly um, in terms of small businesses. Almost half of all small businesses, I think it's like 46%, are owned by women, which is a great thing. We're breaking that glass ceiling. Let's spread that around. Let's do some outreach and start to develop that, those, those entrepreneurial education programs with these communities that, again, are not participating because the more people that participate, it creates value for them, it creates value for generations, and it creates value for all Washingtonians because now we're bringing in more money. We're bringing in more money. Everybody benefits. So there's a lot on my plate when it comes to that. There's a lot I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do when it comes to that. I just gave you a, a taste. <laughs> well, Thank you, Timmy. Yeah, you know the uh, Heritage Foundation has ra- ranked Washington State as some say forty-two, some say forty-five, has the worst voting record. That uh, you know, worse than New Jersey, or right behind New Jersey. And um, mm-hmm. would you provide? I mean, support legislation that would provide for more uh, voting security. I, I mean, maybe. Uh, turning the system back to where you have to have ID or, or anyway, improve what we've got today because what we have now is not um, an accurate vote. So, here's what I would say to that, um, and, and absolutely because right now, if a person makes a comment on this, which I'm unafraid, they're going to say they're a, they're an election denier. So let me be clear: this is not about election denial. This is about election integrity. And election integrity is something that that it must be protected. 
and that's not a Republican or a Democrat or an independent. It's, it's, a, it's a citizen issue. So it is the job of government to ensure that our election system is bulletproof. And I will do that. And again, because I derive my power from the people, it's going to be based on the people's wishes, not government mandates and control. If the people so choose it, I can tell you, statistically, there's numbers that say in-person voting is a better mechanism, especially if you want to ensure voter integrity, right? Voter IDs. We have to get an ID to get a library card. We have to get an ID to, to, get a, to, to be able to drive. And I can go on and on and on with the ID thing. And the fact that people will say certain minority groups can't get it, that's preposterous. It's actually offensive to me as a man of color if you try to tell me I can't get a voter ID because I'm black. Again, this is about election integrity. And anything that we can do to maximize voter participation, that is an American initiative. That is a constitutional initiative. And it is a responsibility of the state to ensure that we bring voter integrity to or election integrity to Washington State. And again, forensic audits, there's all kinds of things that we can do to do this. And I'm willing to work with everybody because again, this cannot and must not be a partisan effort. This needs to be a unified effort because the end result is not about politicians, it's about the people and giving them a quality election system that they deserve. That's what that's my take on that. Well, thank you. Um, we're here in Clickitat County, the well, a hot button issue is the state um, dictating uh, renewable energy policy on us. And do you think that the governor basically is the one that is uh, really, um, I think he's threatening the county with uh, grant money and whatnot if they don't adhere to his policies. But do you think the governor or the state should have to rule over the county on um, how this renewable energy should be placed? Not at all. And, and, and you know, this, this, is, this is a derivative discussion of, of the 10th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, right, in terms of states' rights. Well, the same thing, once you get those states' rights in the state, as they should be, well, then now it comes down to the county and those local municipalities. And again, the closer you get to the people, the power of the people, the more right we are. And when I say that, this is a constitutional republic. It's, it's simply our form of government, the, the, the beautiful uniqueness. And that says we need to do whatever we can to give power to the people. And so to this end, it is not my job as governor to impose my will or my opinion on the people. I am a servant leader. I serve the will of the people. And we need to bring this back again, bringing in career Americans in light of the domination of career politicians, it's what's going to make this happen because we, the people know what's best for we, the people. So to take that power away from the counties where the people have more control is wrong. And I believe it is unconstitutional. And so, no, I would not because every county, every municipality has its own unique characteristics. And so what works in Olympia or Seattle will not work in OMAC or Richland, Washington, or in Goldendale and Klickitat County, and I can go on. We need to take those considerations into, into play, and the best group to do that is those people who understand those unique characteristics of their individual county, which are those county commissioners and those county officials. I support them. I support our county sheriffs, and that is why it's a constitutional issue. Yes, it is. I, you know, it... it 
Well, Olympia is moving so fast, shoving these bills that actually the majority of these bills they want to take control of your of your of your life and how things, um, your job, how all everything that you have you have no responsibility if if they can have their way, and you know this. Actually, this election is a rescue mission. <laughs> I mean, we, if we don't get things if we don't get things turned around and get back on the right track, I you know it's just we're going to lose any constitutional rights we have. So right there, right there, Delmar. You again going back to your first question: Why now? Why am I stepping up now when I did I turned down running for senator for Congress or any other office? It's because I hoped that our politicians would do better for us. And again, I'm not going to criticize them. I, that's not how I, I work. I focus on the issues and I talk about solutions. But now is the time because as we see ourselves slipping, as we see this mass exodus of people leaving Washington State, just like they did New York State, I can't sit by and watch it happen. Again, we're a constitutional republic in the Washington State Constitution. Folks, our constitution, both federal and state, is for all citizens, regardless of race, creed, color, or religion. We need to educate people to that end. This, this is the constitution is for everyone, and we must preserve it. We must protect it. We must protect the civil rights of all of our citizens. You talk about education. That is a civil rights issue, especially when you talk about special needs because special needs children have not been included the way they should. They've been underfunded. I could talk about this all day long, but this is just part and parcel of this mission to give power back to the people, all of the people of Washington state to restore the people's house, to restore the people's rule and to give that power back. I, I can, again, you can hear I'm passionate about this. I believe in this nation. I believe in the goodness of people and my priority is to put people over politics, to unite our state, to work together, to create value for all Washingtonians. And if people are with me, I pray that they go to birdforgovernor.com, bird, B-I-R-D, for governor.com, and donate to our mission because we're hearing that people want us, and I'm going to answer that call. Delmar, thank you, my friend. Well, thank you. I've been talking with Simi Bird. He is chairman for the Benton County Republican Party, and he's running for Washington State Governor. And boy, I just appreciate your time today. I know you're a busy guy, and I appreciate you doing this interview, Simi, and uh, a lot of good information you provided for us. Thank you, and God bless you, Delmar. Thank you very much for the opportunity.